This is Unfiltered, episode 67 for September 18th, 2013. If you smoked cigarettes all day long, chances are you'd get sick, which is why we had the history with the tobacco industry that we had and certain awareness about cigarette smoking. Why can't the same concept be applied to watching violent, disgusting, wretched, incredibly mentally damaging video games all day long. I mean, you hear it every time there's one of these massacres, you hear that this person watches them all day long and that people know about it. Doesn't that make your brain sick, just like cigarettes makes your body sick? On this week's episode of Unfiltered, another mass shooting grabs the attention of the nation, and while the essential details of the story are yet to emerge, the media has already cast their villain, video games, in their quest to demonize their number one competition. They once again rob the people of a balanced dialogue. We'll do our best to fix that this week. Plus, the world economies dodged a major bullet by the name of Larry Summers. We'll dig into this parasite's destructive past and why this week was a victory for everyone. Then it's your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. And welcome to Unfilter, episode 67 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody out there. You know, I am very proud to say that I have not been watching television, but instead, I've been beating up on hookers and stealing cars. (laughs) They hate it when you do that. I know. (laughs) And I am enjoying it. Now, on your way over, were you doing that, or just... You mean from the comfort of your living room? Uh, only from the comfort of my oh, living room, okay. Chris, because I could never do that in real life. Of course not. No. But you did play it in a video game. It was So you never know. It could, could happen I, to I, you. You know, I'm easily influenced right. by video games and technology. Now, I have a feeling like you were hinting as to what perhaps our major topic might be this week. Uh, did you get a sense of that from the intro, perhaps? Uh, you know, just maybe a little <laughs> bit. I have no idea, Chris. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, boy, what a clip. So we're going to get to that topic Ooh. as long as well as a lot of other things. Yes. It's, it's been an interesting week, so we might actually have an accidentally too big of a show. So I, wait, 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 wait. If we're in this, we might be. Chris, we're not allowed to do that. I, you know, you're supposed to put a disclaimer on every show that guess what, you guys, this this show's gonna be a little too much this yeah, week. We yeah. need to we need to tone it back. Right. We need to tone right. it down. I can't help it, Chase. I like my podcast like like I like my condoms. Huge, huge. And wow, TMI. Man. Yeah. So I thought maybe TMI. Since it has kind of become tradition, we would cover the NSA up front just to sort of we got to plow. Through yeah, it gets security out of the way. You know, and and I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed. I I am starting to see in the community people say, aren't we getting sick of all of this bullshit about the NSA? I am tired of hearing about it. That's the problem with our it, culture. Exactly. That is exactly why we can't stop talking about it. Because that is a huge problem. It is the what's new, what's next, what's shiny culture. And it's askew critical thinking. Don't let the stuff that bothers me come in, shut it yep, all out, put my yep, head in the yep, sand. Yep. It, gosh, I just, it, it's, it's so frustrating. So I say we cast that aside and instead... 
I want to talk about a couple of things that came out um, since the last episode. The number one thing was there was like the TechCrunch conference going on, and yep. we were, so we record on Wednesdays. Yep. And like Thursday and Friday, uh, Michael Arrington was up on stage talking to some CEOs of the major tech companies. And one of the CEOs he talked to was Marissa Meyer. Yahoo's CEO says internet companies are being put under serious pressure by the U.S. government not to talk about what information intelligence agencies are requesting. She said even talking about the PRISM spy program could see her face charges of treason. Whoa, charges of treason. What? And I thought we could listen to the report, but why don't we just play the clip from the conference of Marissa Meyer. The audio is not awesome because it was recorded at the conference. Let's hear from her directly. It's powerful. From the very beginning in 2007 with the NSA and FISA and PRISM has been skeptical of and has been scrutinizing those requests. In 2007, Yahoo filed a lawsuit uh, against the the new uh, the Patriot Act parts of of PRISM and FISA. Um, We fought that uh, we were the, the the key plaintiff. A lot of people have wondered about that case and who and who it was. It was us. You lost. Well, we lost. And then um, you caved. Not you. You weren't there yet. But right. That's but the Arrington. thing is, like when you when you lose when, when you lose. So we we fought. We lost. Yeah. You if you don't comply, it's treason. Yeah, treat. So, and which, you know. Well, you're, so, and now you're going through the process of suing the so, government. So now what we do is on each request, we review it, we scrutinize it, we push back on a lot. We push back on a lot of requests yeah. from local government. We, we push back on requests um, in, in, uh, you know, in terms of the NSA. We can't talk about those Why? things because they're classified. We can't talk about these things because we're classified. Isn't it interesting how when you listen to these companies talk about this, they almost sound like a branch of the government? That's classified information. We can't talk about it. But, but part of it is their their hands are so tied that I know. In fact, in the case of Yahoo, because they lost that case, yeah, they're even more tied. Yeah, and, I hadn't and, thought about that. And that's one of the things where you know, a lot of these companies wish that they could come out on the forefront and say we fought this. We and I don't. And, and, Do you I don't, think? I gosh, think I don't know if I'm that optimistic. You know what though? I I know this show has beaten us and yeah. experience has beaten us a lot. Okay. <laughs> But I, you know, you know me. I, I tend to lean towards optimistic. But did things. you hear about Verizon today? Yes, Verizon mocking uh, Facebook and Yahoo for being "quote unquote" consumer centric. How dare they? Verizon slammed them. He said, "I appre- This is a statement from Verizon. Yeah. I appreciate that the consumer centric IT firms that you referenced, Yahoo, Google, Microsoft. It's important that they grandstand a bit and wave their arms to protest loudly, as not to offend the sensibility of their customers. But this is a more important issue that is which graded in a press release. You, this is a matter of na- which is generated in a press release. This is a matter of national security. You, you know what I hear? I hear a company saying, "Crap! You know what we." We didn't come out on the forefront for our customers, and now we're being beat up over it. I don't know. Here, here, listen to this clip. So here's what here's what upsets me is turns out the telcos from day one have rolled over. And if you go back, you know the origination of some of these telco companies was a blessed monopoly. Like, hey, if you if you work with the government, we'll let you be a monopoly. I propose to you that telcos have a culture of of cowtowing to the government. Listen, listen to this clip. Now, turning to the NSA's activities within the United States, the shadowy FISA court is revealing some of its secrets about the NSA's Section 215 bulk phone metadata collection program. 
Now, this re- re- release is notable just from the historical sense that this is the first time that the FISA court has ever opted to just disclose something on their own. They weren't prompted by, a, you know, like a freedom of information request right. or from an executive directive. The court themselves decided to release this documentation. Okay. And those secrets implicate members of Congress and telecom companies. According to a FISA court ruling released on Tuesday, Judge Claire Egan noted that to date, not a single telecom company has challenged the NSA's collection of their customers' metadata. The court ruling read, To date, no holder of records who has received an order to produce bulk telephony metadata has challenged the legality of such an order. Indeed, no recipient of any Section 215 order has challenged the legality of such an order despite the explicit statutory mechanism for doing so. In other words, with just a rare exception of Quest Communications in 2006, not a single one of the telecom companies that we trust with our data protested when the government said, hand over that data. And see, they could have protested Uh, in quiet, behind closed doors. I I can tell you why. Why? What happened to Quest when they... CEO ended up in jail. And what else happened? They uh, they were punished. The federal contracts were pulled. That's right. See, that's the thing. Yeah. The the federal government on one side of it says, okay, hey, we have a we have an appeals process. You can go ahead and challenge this if you will. Go ahead. It's on you, though. Yeah. But, yeah. but what happened— Just like they have a whistleblower process. Right. So what happened was you have Verizon, AT&T, Comcast, all these mm-hmm. telcos and, mm-hmm. and ISP providers. They're mm-hmm. like— well, we better not challenge it because we have federal contracts, okay? And Seems we like it. And we don't want them to be uh, axed. And that's what happened to Quest. Quest's stock price dropped dramatically. Right. The company almost went – actually, the company did end up going belly up. Yeah. CenturyLink ended up buying yep, Quest. Yep, yep. So a lot of people don't remember that. And so when you start criticizing some of these ISPs for not challenging it, right. they got to look at their, their they own looked at Quest. They looked at Quest and yeah. went, I don't want that to happen to me. Exactly. Hmm. You can't blame Fascism. them. For, oh, I know, but you can't. Oh. But you can't, Chris. You can't blame them from looking out for themselves. Though. I suppose so. You I can't. So. I mean, if you were a stockholder, if you were an employee of the company, I mean. Well, so where do they know, draw the line? What do you, yeah. If exactly. I'm Google, if I'm yeah. Google, if I'm Google, and I hear about, and I hear about, say, like, oh, I don't know, maybe the NSA is even posing as Google. What is this? A recently leaked document from Edward Snowden asserts that the NSA pretended to be Google to gather personal data from citizens. In a technique common to hackers known as a, quote, man-in-the-middle attack, can't take this the National serious. Security Administration used a fake security certificate on at least one occasion to pretend to be Google in order to gather information on users. I know, I love it. When the mainstream media talks about it, they have to add a beat to it in order to just get through it. Wait, wait, is that for kids? What is that for? Know, right? I know. Can you imagine, like, <laughs> Grandpa watching, what, what is she doing? Why it's, is she breaking down? They, it's because the NSA stories have been boiled down to, like, that, here's the headlines. Here's what's going on today in the news. Yeah, yeah because I clipped that from their headline coverage. So then she goes on to another story. So what she says there, though, is the NSA used uh, fake SSL certs. Now, maybe they got them from DigiNotar or whatever, and they actually posed as Google. So people... Thought they were going to Google services. U.S. citizens, at this, by the way, U.S. citizens thought they were going to an HTTPS session to a Gmail or Google Docs, whatever it was. And in actuality, they're going to a man-in-the-middle server at the NSA. See, here's... This, if I'm Google, I'm pissed. Here's the blueprint of how you fight this. It's real simple. Lay it on me, brother. 
Verizon, Verizon, you know, they're fighting this because I think they're worried about their government contracts and they're they're uh, they're also taking a lot of money for the uh, what the broadband initiative. Uh, right. Well, and they and also the NSA we saw in that budget is is lining their pockets to pay for some of this. So if yeah. you can say, well, this cost us three hundred million, when it actually cost you one hundred and fifty. Don't forget million. the Verizon is also involved in a lawsuit against the FCC about open net neutrality laws. Yeah. So for just bear that in mind. I, I think. The, the best way that a lot of these companies like Yahoo, Google, and other companies who – if they truly feel that they don't like what's going on, they all need to come together. Every single one yeah. of them. And they all – I mean all the CEOs just need to go step up together. Google needs to work with Microsoft. Microsoft needs to work with you know whoever yeah. else. And, and if they all came together yeah. in some sort of, sort of nonprofit – I don't know, coalition, maybe an initiative. I don't know. Whoa, whoa. I mean, hmm. honestly, if they all came together and told all their users, say, hey, we're not fighting here. We're all f- feeling towards a common good of, you know, of this information being, you know, split off, prismed, if I, you, you know, will. We might see it if the market responds strong enough yeah. and, you know, starts pulling out contracts out of U.S. businesses and things like that. Well, we we're, we're see seeing it. that a little bit with foreign companies. Yeah. I mean, we are yeah. a little bit. So, And we're seeing countries actually start to raise quite a big stink about this. Yep. We, we mentioned it a little bit last week, but Brazil, yeah. pretty upset. Um, in fact, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, Brazilian president, uh, oh boy, Rousseff, has canceled his state visit to Washington in October, and this was rumored this might happen over reports the United States spied on her personal communications, those of other Brazilians, and that major Brazilian oil company. Uh, The visit was scheduled for October 23rd. It was conceived to highlight the improvements in ties between the two biggest economies in the Americas and and Brazil's emergence over the past decade as a regional power. And the trip has been seen as a platform for deals on oil exploration and biofuel technologies and Brazil's potential purchase of fighter jets from the Chicago-based Boeing company. Now, the other thing that's pretty interesting about this is the itinerary also included a state dinner at the White House, the only such dinner that was going to be offered by the Obamas at all this year, and they've canceled it over this NSA spying crap. Yeah. So they're upset. They're upset. So, I mean, you know, what's going to happen here is... You got these countries like Brazil that are going to be making official visits, and now they're going to be canceling these visits. Yeah. for these reasons. I hope. I hope that the. I hope Obama feels that slap in the face a little bit. I hope it just stings Barry just just a touch. What do you think? Not while I'm speaking. Not. Hey, hey, hey! You know what, Chase? Hello, everybody. That's that's all I got for you. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that and uh, of course. Oh my gosh! It's Anderson Cooper, everybody. <laughs> it's been a while, Chase. I had to bust it out. I had to bust it. I'm now sorry. Now I have a headache. <laughs> Well, uh, why don't we hit the reset button, clear our palettes before we get into the heavy stuff this week. Clearing. And uh, I want to thank our unfiltered supporters. Not a great showing. Not this week. We had two new supporters sign up. However, uh, we we also had uh, uh, we also had a lot of really great emails this week. And I want to say, yes, even if we only get two or three a week. And I did a little house cleaning. You know, I did. I I got around to doing my house cleaning that uh, uh, I said I was going to do. So I mean, I feel like I feel like overall. It wasn't an awesome week for the Unfilter show, but it's doable. And with two supporters, we, that brought us to dun 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 a hundred and eighty one monthly supporters. That's incredible. It is, and I want to thank all of you because I'm I am planning on some really big changes early 2014. Big changes. I hope you're prepared to drive somewhere else. That kind of big. In fact, it'd be closer to your house. Oh wait, I I think I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> so I, I, you know, I, 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 I want to just say, if you want to help the unfiltered show, show, you will also be helping. I know me. exactly what you're talking. about. I know. I, I think, I and could I'm be really, really up for those reach arounds. It, it could be huge, right? I huge. It's already huge. <clears throat> so what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Is as I get closer to the beginning of 2014, I really need to see this show making a profit so, because we're going to make some big changes. They're going to bring the quality of every single Jupiter Broadcasting show up, give us the capability of doing more shows, having guests in studio, having visitors even maybe spend the night that we, maybe we bring in for interviews. I mean, we're talking really big stuff. Q1 2014, and I could really use your support to get us there. So Unfilter is a listener-supported show. If Once you become an Unfilter supporter... What's that mean, Chris? It's a monthly $5 charge. Okay. As part of that 5 charge, of course, you get all four shows that we do in a month. Wow, okay. But then you also get the supporter show, which is what? wrapped around the main shows. Usually, get like, out. it's almost like a whole other show, really. What? It really is. Wouldn't you say... By now, I mean, it has kind of become Absol- like... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Today was a good one. It was a very good one. We had a great GMO discussion. Wait, we, we can't tell them that. Oh... And also, we had a great update from Jennifer. Jennifer was in the studio. Yeah, Jennifer was in the studio. And yeah. Bill was here. Yeah, and uh, Bill stopped by, too. It was a good show. And in fact, right now, the Unfiltered Supporter Show is almost clocking in at 50 minutes or so. Ding! So it's a big show. And you get that as well as the Unfiltered Behind the Scenes newsletter after every episode. Tells you kind of some other thoughts, gives you additional links. Sometimes stuff breaks, like yeah. we're going to be talking about in the serious segment later today, yep. that I was able to include in the Unfiltered Supporter email. Late so you're breaking. just getting totally up-to-date info. It's really awesome. So you can just sign up and become an Unfiltered Supporter by clicking the Supporters button in our show notes. So go find episode. 67 scroll down and click that button or if you want to donate via bitcoin you can too just got to make sure you email me your transaction id nice pow so thank you to david l andre i think what do you think andre uh, uh let me look here uh what do you think chase on oh yeah andre Andre, Andre, and of course also thomas and aj um and uh you guys will be getting your email tonight with a link to download the supporter show and it you know just load that on your mp3 player and that's a hell of a show. Hell it, of a show, Chase. It is, it is, it is action-packed. You know what? I love it as a commute show. Yeah. Which I hope to have soon. You know... Uh, I honestly do. <laughs> it, is, it, is really, it is really interesting. The, the supporter show, like tons of extra great clips that make, like, make everything we talk about make even more sense and give you even more information about it. Yeah. So it's good stuff. And Chase, with our thank yous given and our plea given out to the audience to keep us going and keep us on the air, that means it's time for one and one only thing... It's time to play as the chat room. We're going to ask you a question. And if you don't know the answer, or if you do know the answer, we're going to give you accolades beyond all expectations. Chris Fisher, what is now the question of the episode number 67 here on the docket? Okay, Chase, I got one question for the chat room. Let's see if they can nail this. Recently. We're getting answers already. On Monday. (laughs) No, it's not about the NSA chat room. Knock it off. On Monday, there was a mass shooting in Washington, D.C. Yes. What... Was the weapon the shooter used? Oh my god! And I, I don't wonder. I'm curious because this is a little experiment to see how, how the media's misreporting how far how far it's carried. Ooh. So chat room, what was the weapon used by the unfortunate shooting by the shooter during the unfortunate shooting? Now, are you looking for an exact model number or uh, because people are, are throwing in their votes in right now? So, are you looking for an exact model number or are you looking for just a type? A type would be fine. A type okay. would be fine. Type All right, totally, totally right. be fine. I All mean, right. I'm not gonna. I, you ready? You ready for me to pull it? Go ahead, pull it. All right, Chase. What do we got? What do we got? Now, fifth wall is being real specific here, but was it an AR-15? 
He's right in the sense that... It is a rifle. That was what was promoted by the media. That's right. <laughs> it is not what actually the shooter used. That's true. I was curious to see if that would come out in the chat room because um, early into early into this uh, story... And, and by the way, I want to mention this real quick. Okay, all right. Our chat room, by the way, you know, we don't give them the answers ahead of time. Heck okay? no, Chase. That'd be Cheetah McCain. We don't give them the answers ahead of time. They are becoming more and more educated. On their own. They're, they are becoming mm-hmm. more and more informed. Mm-hmm. And these answers I'm able to pull quickly because we have a very informed and charged this up time, community. That was the wrong answer. But it was still a rifle. Shotgun. Shotgun. I believe. I mean, this report will tell us. And this shall answer actually no. It's uh four reports in. I got a lot of clips about this one, Chase, so let's just jump right in. Go! It's not a great story. A shooting free-for-all that began even before the suspect, wearing black with a tall military bearing, marched his way into the Navy yard. Uh, Multiple shots fired, multiple people down. At that moment, we all realized, this is the real deal, this is serious. Let's go, move. Everyone said, this is no drill. Go, go, go. Emergency exits now. Go, go, go. D.C. Metro Police say they get their first call of multiple victims down at 8.20 in the morning. By then, a security guard on the first floor of Building 197 of this massive complex is hit. And the gunman is on the upper floors, shooting down from atrium walkways over the open core of the five-story building into a food courtyard below. We have an active shooter on the fourth floor. The shots were randomly aimed and fortunately not always on target. The first three shots were done pow, pow, pow. A few seconds later, maybe three seconds later, was pop, 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 like four more shots. By 9.33, the first ambulances rushed victims to hospitals. We have an officer down, building 197 on the third floor. This ambulance, with a police escort, carried a D.C. patrolman who shot it out with the gunman. At 9.45, the FAA stops all flights in and out of nearby Reagan National Airport. And back in the building, EMTs struggled to safely remove the injured. At least five people shot. They were attempting to bring outside. Only later would police realize the death toll was much higher. A dozen innocents in all. One of the victims standing shoulder to shoulder with Navy Commander Tim Gyrus. I saw him drop in front of me. He was shot in the head. Finally, at 12.14, police announced they have fatally shot the gunman. Identified by the FBI as Aaron Alexis, a former Navy man who most recently worked for the Navy as an IT civilian contractor. You know, it's interesting. The chat room is pointing out that uh, this guy uh, shot things up with a uh, a shotgun. And, of course, you know, we remember... Do you believe that banning certain weapons and high-capacity magazines will mean that law-abiding citizens will then become more of a target to criminals as we will have no way to sufficiently protect ourselves. <laughs> and Joe Biden says. Is this, says, came it, up is again this Parents again. Magazine? It is. I have Parents <laughs> Magazine at home. I've never heard anybody in Parents Magazine ask these kinds of questions, but I'm delighted to answer them. Um, first of all, uh, the idea that... W- repeat the last part of the question, please. So she's asking if... Um, a ban goes into effect on certain kinds of weapons and high-capacity magazines. And what's your name? Um, Kate. Kate, if you want to protect yourself, get a double-barrel shotgun, have the shells, a 12-gauge shotgun, and I promise you, as I told my wife, we live in an area that's wooded and somewhat secluded. I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here or walk out, put that double-barrel shotgun and fired two blasts 
outside the house. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to... You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim. It's harder to use. Sounds like he knows my experience. In fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. Wow. Wow. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to go on Amazon real quick. Uh, I'm going to use the Jupiter Broadcasting referral link. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And I'm going to buy a uh, shotgun. Uh, and, Thanks, uh, Biden. Yeah, we use do, a promo code Biden, save uh, 10%. We do know he had a shotgun. And CNN tells you in this very slowly worded piece Ugh. to make sure all the dumb slaves get the message. Learning some very new information about what Aaron Alexis was doing in the hours before he allegedly came onto the Navy Yard and started shooting. Exactly one day before that, he came right here to the Sharpshooters Gun Shop in Lorton, Virginia. It's a suburb of Washington, D.C. Slow it down. Slow it he down. was here a few hours, and basically what he did was he had he paid the store to use one of their rifles. He also bought some ammunition for that rifle. And he stayed here at the gun shop at the target range. He did some target practice with that rifle. And then he bought a Remington 870 12-gauge shotgun. And we're also told that he bought about two cases of ammunition, about 24 shells with that. Now, while he was here, (laughs) they ran his name through the federal background check database. It took a couple hours. He was here a couple hours. But basically, there was no problem in that background check. He had a valid out-of-state license from the state of Texas. And in Virginia, you are allowed to buy a rifle, a long gun, shotgun, or a rifle with an out-of-state license. Okay, so you got your message in there. He bought it legally. It was a shotgun. You know, everybody gets that down. And, of course, seems like we have ourselves a real story here, perhaps maybe even somebody that's struggling with a history of problems. ABC News has learned the suspect had a history of disturbing behavior. He was arrested in 2010, accused of recklessly discharging a firearm into a neighbor's apartment. And in 2004, Alexis confessed to shooting out the tires of another man's car. That was here in Seattle, too, that he did that. And, of course, he was also being treated for what uh, the doctors were calling serious mental issues. Well, let me just bring you a little bit more about that uh, shooter in Washington uh, Monday. As we told you just in the last few minutes, it's emerged that uh, the gunman in Washington uh, was being treated um, for serious mental illness, apparently hearing of voices. Uh, the police Tuesday obviously now ruled out any other suspects in the in the shooting and the killing of of 12 people so here we are monday night i'm thinking to myself we got ourselves a great opportunity to discuss mental health issues yeah to discuss what is so broken in american society that the fringe aspects of our society go and do this maybe we even have a maybe there's even a possibility to have a great opportunity to ask why are our veterans so disturbed what is bothering them so badly right. a lot of opportunities here for a good discussion that could really maybe lead to some sort of change and yep. some sort yeah, of maybe a good conversation hopefully Absolutely. preventing something like this from having the future but instead what we got was Pierce Morgan getting all fired up in the gun debate about how awful this is and meanwhile he's getting his facts wrong we know about uh, this shooter today is it as simple as a disaffected employee somebody who'd been bounced out of the navy perhaps bore a grudge about that apparently had some financial issue with his current employees can it be as simple as that or are we talking about somebody with an underlying serious mental health issue it might be as simple as that that is the most common 
type of person that we see doing these things. Now, in the absence of severe mental illness, such as a thought disorder, schizophrenia, delusions, such as Jared Loeffner in Tucson and James Holmes appears to be in Colorado, in the absence of severe mental illness such as that, generally the type of person that we see committing these mass shootings is someone who is disenfranchised and he is angry and he feels his life is is a mess because of others. They tend to not blame themselves and a lot of times the main motivator behind these these mass shootings is they're motivated by revenge. The person is angry at the world, they don't look at themselves as the problem and they want to make others pay. Um, for their pain, their psychological okay. pain. That's the most common doctors. thing, and they tend to do it alone. Alone. There's a, a fact today. Uh, 8,175 Americans have been killed by guns yeah. since the Newtown shooting. I guess, and you know, as he touches on this stuff, I think maybe it's important to say, I don't think it's necessarily even bad to have the, this conversation that Pierce is a, 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 pretending to have. What I what 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 bothers me and sort of disgusts me at a human level is how that's not actually what he's doing. He's capitalizing on a on on once again we are watching Pierce and all of CNN capitalize on all of the news networks capitalize yeah. Yeah. on such genuine tragedy. I mean, I hear that, and you know, the comparative figure in Britain would be about twenty-five. Yeah. Back up to the stats again. 20, uh, Seventy-five Americans have been killed by guns. Yeah since the Newtown shooting. I mean, I hear that, and, you know, the comparative figure in Britain would be about 25. Yeah. Australia, 25. Germany, 40, maybe. Japan, 2. Doesn't your heart ache when you see this kind of statistic and see another mass shooting? This is an American. Absolutely. But the common thread I see in all of that is anger. People who are lost, they're, they're struggling. And what is triggering all of that? I think the common thing is anger. Yeah, it's an absolute shame. But anger manifested into violence by a gun. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have that vehicle to manifest it. Is What's the answer? Well, I think the answer is to really take a look at these cases and see, are there common threads in there? Are there mental health issues, substance abuse issues, socioeconomic issues? Because that's the common stuff that's driving people's behavior, and then they have access to guns. See, and I think it's I think that guy starts to get it. Like, I think it's so many things, but I think it's interesting that we don't link this to the fact that such a, a massive amount of Americans are struggling like we haven't struggled since the well, Depression era. I was, I was reading a stat the other day that this, the, the gap between the poverty level and rich Americans is larger than it's ever been. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, for me, you know, I've been out of work now for almost three months and yeah, it, it wears on you. But then again, you know, I have a good solid foundation of friends and family and good people that I can talk with about, you know, things that I'm feeling. And a lot of the common thread, a lot of people that reach out, not reach out, I'm sorry, that act out and have violent tendencies and, and do mass killings or just kill one person, there's obviously some underlying issues that they, 
don't have the ability to talk to people or they don't know how to right. access resources or they're or they're more serious than people are are able to fully understand right and or, or and they're not this guy real. said he was hearing voices coming through the floor and stuff right and and people like yeah sure you yeah or, or maybe not maybe they're just ignoring it well and so uh you know the guy ends up shooting yeah popping his gun off uh police get involved they even alert the navy base that say hey uh this guy's a contractor for you and uh, we've run into this. But the Navy base takes it and says, well, okay, the guy has a bad evening. You know, what are we going to do about it, right? Right, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of – there are a lot of uh, – there's a lot of aspects of play, a lot of a lot of different elements to it. And I think it's disingenuous. Uh, and, and here you go. And the reason why you know it's disingenuous is because without any facts, without any hard data, Pierce Morgan tries to just sort of – just sort of create controversy from nothing. So this guy so should did he have buy been it? there based, where, where did he buy the AR-15? Well, we don't, we Wait, don't where know where he bought it. Where did he buy it? No, we do know where he bought we it. We don't know. It's we don't know. If he, tonight, first of all, you're assuming. It has a most, You're assuming ben, he bought it. It's a, no, now let's keep in let's keep in perspective. He didn't. He used a shotgun, right? So Pierce's our, entire argument here is based on the wrong gun. Yeah. I'm assuming he you, bought it. He I can't let you go on. No, he didn't why, steal why it. Why can't you let he me go on? It, do you know that he bought because it? Because I'm telling you a fact, Ben. He bought it fact. legally in Virginia. Legally. It's a fact, Chase. In okay, Virginia. So, this so is if, the problem with America's gun laws. It's not legal where he did the act. It's legal around the corner. There's no federal ban right, on so, AR-15s, so that's why they keep being used. And you see how, I mean, right, he's, this, he's, so, he's so incensed and he's so worked up and he's not even right. It's not, he was a shotgun and then right. handguns. Yeah. Um, and they did find an AR. They did find. So I mean, it was a Navy base. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I yeah. mean, there's other weapons there. Yeah. Uh, so all of this is sort of being set up. This is CNN's take on. Of course, CNN's going after this. The aspect of the gun control, pushing the gun control legislation yep. forward. Yep. Right. So the right, the right had to latch on to something. The the right, the right realized once again, gun rights were under attack, and they needed something. And the friend of the family mentions that you know. Ali, you know, Aaron played a lot of violent video games. In fact, catch the way he introduces himself. I'm the friend of the family. I'm sort of the family handyman. I'm the friend of the family. Not I'm a friend of the family. Yeah. I'm playing the role of the person that's the friend of the family. That's my role. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the not, friend. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to pull, pull an Alex Jones here and say that this is like a, a false flag. Well, I like mustaches. Actor. Right. But the way this guy says it is, it sounds like he's like, okay, I've been told to play the ra- the role of the fr- family friend. I am the friend of the family. Yeah, that's what he. I'm the friend of the family. I'm sort of the f- family handyman. I'm sort of the family handyman. I'm the friend of the. Okay, I won't dwell on it, but I just I thought know, it was interesting. Uh, man, you might be learning into it. I'm the friend of the family. I'm sort of the f- family handyman. Aaron uh, was uh, very much a part of their family. They took him under their wing. The only thing I can think of is the video games. He played violent video games oh, all the time. Oh, God. One of the things he liked to do. And uh, I try to discourage him from it uh, uh, because sometimes it took up more of his time, even more so than hanging around adults. Uh, I've had some people comment that he was more like a kid uh, playing those games. And I agree. I, I, I agree with him. So uh, this guy was being interviewed at the Thai restaurant that the that the shooter worked at, and he says, "Yeah, man, he just play video games all the time." So you'd think, okay, well, they're just interviewing some white trash dude sitting at a Thai restaurant. Surely 
That's not the sole piece of evidence that all of the media will run with. That same friend tells ABC News that Alexis used to joke about shooting people while playing violent games and that he started missing work because of his video game habit. Now, obviously, something investigators will be looking into. Oh, yeah. And that was ABC. So the first one came from CNN. That one was ABC. And here's MSNBC. One thing a friend did say to us that uh, that said, looking back on it, it was kind of disturbing. They're all citing the same guy that that comment he makes. They're all, oh, this is, I mean, by the way, it's every network, Al Jazeera, America, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, NBC. They're all citing the family friend. That uh, Alexis was obsessed with online violent video games, that every time they went over to his apartment or to his house, he was in his room with headphones on, communicating with other people online and playing these very violent games. The types where you uh, are, have a weapon and you round a corner and you shoot not targets, but people. And they even halfway joked about it, saying, man, you know, you're 34 years old. You need to get a life here. And he said, well, this is my life, or words to that effect. He enjoyed playing the video games. Chris, he enjoyed the Chris, video games. Chris, how old am I? Uh, Chase, I would assume you're what, maybe a 55-year-old man? No. Uh, are you President Clinton? I think he's in his 70s. No. No, no. no. You're in your 30s, Chase. I'm 34. Yeah. I'm the same age. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm in this guy's okay. age range, too. And and uh, let's see. Uh, Chris, uh, w- what was I doing yesterday? Uh, playing Grand Theft Auto. Right. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that this happens now? Again, This I'm- really, really bothers me. This really bothers me a lot because, first off, obviously his friends or family or whoever said that, well, you're a little too old to be playing video games. Oh, I know, right? Needs to shut the fuck up. I know. I hate that stereotype. I mean, you know what? Video games could possibly be one of the greatest expressions of human art. (laughs) I mean, and they've come so and they've come so far. I mean, I mean, just literally, you know, twenty years ago, I'm playing uh, dots on a screen, little mini pixels, and now you know we're emulating entire cities. I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five is over sixty square miles of you could go anywhere you want in the city and do so many different things. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful game. But I think, obviously, this person, you know, there were some mental issues there. But to hang it up on video games is wrong. To say that maybe there were an enabler to some of his psychological issues, perhaps, sure. But you can't just say, well, video games are the blame to that. It might, it goes deeper than that. Yeah. It goes so much deeper than I'm a, that. I'm a fundamental believer that the human brain is, at a core level, able to differentiate reality yeah. And uh, simulation. Yep. And so some of the things that it would kick in for reality just don't kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this doesn't stop, this doesn't stop anyone from, from postulating that perhaps it was violent video games. But one of the ones that I really loved, really, really loved, was uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. She's just recently moved over to Fox and Friends from The View. She had to make her mark. And when I say make her mark, I mean a poopy stain. Wife, I think uh, something to that Matt happens often in a situation yes. as tragic as this is that we start to s- spread blame um, where it possibly it doesn't belong, right? And I compl- you know what? So far, wow. I agree. That's really yeah. rational and yeah. really reasonable. We yeah. often will spread. Sp- I'm, I'm going to play it again. It's so reasonable. In a situation as tragic as this is that we start to s- spread blame. 
um, where possibly it doesn't belong, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think we all know who, where the blame um, truly belongs, and that would be um, right in Alexis's hands. Right. He also has a, a history, not only, that's a good point, uh, as of course the mayor mm -hmm. brought up, but you talk about this guy's background, as we look into it, he's got a friend who said, yeah, he had an obsession with video games, shooting video games. In fact, you know, he would come over and he'd be playing so long, these video games, he's shooting games, we'd have to give him dinner, we'd feed him while he continued to stay on them. A little bit later, uh, Dr. Keith Ablow will talk about is there a relationship between shooting video games and the way you act in real life? Well, well and, are, and are more people susceptible? You know, are, are more people maybe more susceptible than others to playing video games? Is there a link between a certain age group? Are you more susceptible to playing video games? And are, and are more people susceptible? You know, are, are more people maybe more susceptible than others to playing video games? Careful, you might be susceptible to playing video games, Wait, Chase. wait a minute, wait a minute. You may be playing too much Cards Against Humanity, Chris. you got to be careful because you may be more susceptible to playing actual board games oh. than video games. Jeez. you got to be careful. Is there a link between a certain age group or demo um, in, this, in 20 to 34-year-old men, perhaps, that are playing these video games and then their, their violent actions? We, we have yet to find out. Well, now, Fox, you know, I mean, they could have left it right here and would have been plenty awful. Just, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it seems like every time something bad like this happens, we look at, is there a connection between video games because and Because you're looking the for the connection. <laughs> exactly. It's because you're looking specifically so, for it. What I love is the very fact that if, here, here's kind of the way um, humanity in the first world countries has shaken out. If you were born in, a, in about the last 30 to 40 years, you've probably at some point experienced a video game. And there's a good chance you like video games. Not all of you, not all of you, but I would bet the vast majority. If you would visit high school X in any state, in any city, I bet you the majority of the kids there play some kind of games. I grew up in high school. First person shooters were brand new. They were, they were, I was it was playing, incredible. I was playing uh, Wolfenstein 3D, Wolf, yep, yep, Doom. Yep, yep Doom. Yeah. I mean, those were brand new, and I played the shit out of those things. Well, take a look at some people who were described as addicted to video games from Columbine High School. Uh, Eric Harrison, Dylan Klebold, uh, the Virginia Tech shooter, the Arizona shooter, Jared Lee Loeffner, uh, that Norway shooter who... Sh Chris, uh, and Chris, is, uh, Chris wait a minute. This, this just in. Uh, can you give me uh, a Fox News oh, alert? Oh, hold on, Chase. Uh, yeah. Big news alert yeah. here. Uh, I also have another list of things of everything that they have in common, Chris. Okay. Uh, they all breathe air. Uh, they eat food. I think we're on to something. Uh, they also drink water. I heard they all pooped, too, and, at and some they, point. they also go poop, and some guys go pee. <laughs> also, uh, this Justin in the Jupiter Broadcasting Late Breaking News Center, they also take showers, Whoa. sometimes, occasionally. Uh, they also have vehicles, and they drive. Uh, more information as it develops. Condemning. 77 people. The Aurora shooter, James Holmes. The Sandy Hook shooter, Adam Lanza, they're all described as essentially being addicted to video games. Uh At this point, we just need, like, they found video games in Osama bin Laden's compound and... <laughs> And that Edward Snowden was pirating video games before he left the NSA. Edward Snowden was playing Solitaire on Windows XP, <laughs> and we know that he is very addicted to Solitaire. Dr. Keith Ablow, last time he was on the program talking about this, he said that uh, th these games, in many cases, need a warning. I love it when they cite their own hack doctors who are on their own payroll who just say anything they need them to say for the script because they need to film a segment. Simply so people know that they can be addictive, 
and psychologically damaged. Yeah, a lot of people do it, have absolutely no problem, and I believe there yeah. is warning on a lot of these games. What is it, it there for what adult it, content only? What you, about know, you know, Chris, uh, I, I always keep an eye on the sh uh, chat room. Shadow Driver, maybe inadvertently, said Flight Simulator with a little tongue out. But remember, if you go back to 9-11, yep. the tragedy yep. that happened at 9-11, yep. and that they were talking about how the terrorists would practice using Microsoft Flight Simulator right. to crash into buildings. Right. Well, and like we like we played. I mean, this 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 is this is ugh. like we played the clip in the supporters show. It actually goes back to the fifties when they would just back then they'd pin it on comic books, comic books, yeah. and then uh, rock and roll music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh. and, and even I mean, Pac Man and Galaga. So and just ugh. I mean, at this point, you're like, okay, uh, you know, Elizabeth Hasselback, she's brand new. She probably doesn't need to graze any more. She's, she's trying to hit uh, you know hit her mark on Fox. Okay. So she's got to just you know really deliver it in. Just gotta just knock it out of the park now, Elizabeth. Quincy test. You know, how often has this game been played? Maybe well, there's some absolutely no problem. Because she's she, the first thing she says is, how about frequency testing? And I believe there yeah. is warning on a lot of these games. What is a, it there for what adult a, content only? What about frequency testing? You know, how often has this game been played? Maybe there's some sort of, I mean, and I'm not one to say get in there and monitor everything, but if this indeed is a strong link, right, to mass killings, then why aren't we looking at frequency of purchases per person? And also how often they're playing and how many times, maybe they time out. So she's literally saying Xbox Live or whatever it would be should have a counter on, on Grand Theft Auto that when you've played for more than an hour. That means you're in danger? Yeah, it's, it, it either notifies somebody or it shuts you down. Yeah. After, a certain, after a certain hour you go to your room. on this. Well, it, it's all interesting stuff. You go to your room because you're just a kid. It's all about control. You go to your room. Yeah, keep in mind, if there was an age cutoff, uh, you know, as was suggested with Adam Lanz and, you know, kids, uh, this guy's 35 years old, 34 right. years old. So it wouldn't necessarily apply. 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 Now, uh, we heard a little bit of Mika and her uh, equivalenting uh, video games to uh, cigarettes. A little bit after uh, she uh, crapped that out, uh, Joe Scarborough uh, woke up from his stupor and... Uh, <laughs> He compared it to the simulated massacring of Americans. My Twitter you, you, will go crazy. People you get think people I'm on the left and the right who I think a lot of them don't have kids, I don't think, who, you know, think they have a right to. I love this. Like, if you don't agree with if you don't agree with Joe, you must not have kids. Right. And so or or I guess by insinuation, I must just be a bad parent. Chris, how many uh, how many kids, uh, kids do I have? You have no kids. How many kids do you have? I have three kids. And it's like we agree on this one. That's weird. Maybe Joe's completely wrong. You know, they think they have so a right to. But it does. Know, okay. Uh, that think that that you know Americans of all ages have a right to to simulate the slaughter of other human beings. And that's not going to make all your night brain and sick. all day on life. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It certainly it takes people without. I Wall Street Journal wrote an op-ed a long time ago about people without guardrails. It certainly people that don't have those natural guardrails set up takes them over the cliff. What do you think about that? Do you think that's? Do you think there's any possibility that if uh, if maybe you've got some mental problems going on, maybe you are hearing voices, maybe you're angry because the Navy screwed you a little bit? Would maybe would maybe like these video games give you the idea of like, oh shit, this feels good, man. I got to do this. Well, let me, I will. I will. Like maybe we'll, is it like maybe like could it be like a child pornographer who's like looking at child porn yeah. online and then decides, well, you know, what, I'm gonna go pick me up a kid. Could let, it be like that? Let me repeat what I said earlier. I said, you know. To say that video games don't have some sort of role in someone who needs some mental health treatment in regards to, you know, obviously he's got no supportive family. He's got no friends. It's just like a drug user who would uh, would go to the crack pipe or someone would go to the bottle. You know, it's it's a tool 
I, an, to, I almost feel like to me it's it's a part of them that they're not happy about and so they they, they, just, they just go back to something that makes them feel uh, so you're saying fun. the video game is like uh, is an outlet yeah, absolutely. So you're saying it doesn't encourage the behavior in real life, but it allows for an expression of the behavior in a safe environment. Right. Yeah, that that makes the most sense to me. Right. I think because, like, um, you know, I like to play Star Trek games, and I'm not, like, going to go try to make a spaceship. I mean, I know this is a bad equivalent, but, like, or actually, I'll back it up. We'll play first-person shooters. You know, there was a period of time where I was working a 9-to-5, and I would get really super stressed out, and I felt stress relief just by doing something that was fast-paced and challenging. See, and- Everybody has their escape. Everybody has things that they enjoy doing to kind of escape from the everyday uh, grind of, of living. A lot right? of people, it's just watching TV. Why? It could be watching TV, going to the movies, reading a book, going hiking. I know a lot of people that are truly addicted to fitness. God, I wish. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, they, you know, they go out and they, they hike because there's something going on in their lives or they'll write. That's a good point. Those people are way better than me. <laughs> but I'm saying is everybody has their thing where yeah. there's something going yeah. on in their lives and they, they detract and they go off and do other things. Make shows. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing either. Right. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's trying to equate to video games equal bad. And that's not fair. Yeah, I, I, I see fair. where you're coming from. And I... I mean, I don't want to completely dismiss the. Cl- I don't even. I actually. Uh, no. I mean, I don't even. I don't even believe it, desens- it desensitizes. I don't even buy that claim. I, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I think what it comes down to is it's just an outlet. It's just another thing that someone is doing to maybe hide the fact or at least suppress the fact that there's okay. some bad things, so, bad things happening in their life. Let's say I grant you that. So then, do you buy my? My hypothesis that the real reason that the media always switches is, and and mind you, they got the interview with this, the friend of the family, the night of the shooting, and they all pivoted on this immediately. They all latched. I mean, I just played a clip from from ABC, MSNBC, and Fox and CNN, where they all pivoted that night, the night of the shooting, when they still thought it was, you know, an assault rifle, like all this stuff. Yeah. do you buy my hypothesis that it's because video games are eating at their ratings and that they just need something to go after? It's a very strong one to have. And it's safe, right? It's, it's safer it's than safe going one. after gun or mental but, health issues or economic issues or, or how we treat our veterans. Isn't it safer to go after video video games than any of those other things? It is, but it also at the same time, these same companies are also parenting up with Microsoft and Sony. Yeah, I know, and, right? And, and they're they're extending their offerings onto those game consoles. Do you think maybe it is a deflection? Like you could watch Fox on your Xbox 360 is a great example. Do you think, yeah, but I mean, doesn't doesn't that feel like they've been drugged, kicking and screaming by Microsoft and Sony to get there? Like Microsoft and Sony have been slamming them for years. Look, you should do this. And they've been dragging them to finally get there. But don't you, do you think that maybe what this is actually is a deflection from the conversation of the mental health issues? Because every person- It's a serious deflection. They all have major mental health issues. They're probably, all of them have, you know, in the case of almost all- all of the shootings that they cited in that Fox report, almost all of them have come out to be on pharmaceuticals. You, you, you so could, is this a deflection from pharmaceuticals? It could be. I mean, you could you could easily substitute video games for beer or cigarettes or whatever. To me, it seems much more plausible that these guys have mental health issues. They go to see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist prescribes them a medication, and that medication turns off something in their brain that yeah. would stop them from killing people. Because that's what medications do. I mean, to me, that seems like the most obvious scenario in almost all of these recent shootings. But instead, I feel like we don't talk about that. We immediately pivot to video games. 
and because it's for a multitude of reasons. It 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 it, it pleases the corporate overlords. It is a safer thing from a viewer's number. Plus, it's the older demos that are watching these new shows, and so it plays to them. I mean, it's like all of it's it's like the perfect villain for them. Yeah, it's true. And in reality, they're never really going to change anything because yeah. even if by on some back-ass words law got passed that like locked down the video games that shit would get distributed all over the internet so nothing's getting shut down well then, so then, it's almost, then, then you're gonna have to start regulating the internet and then you're gonna have to lock down the internet no, and then you're gonna have to lock down like, books and you're no, gonna have to lock I, down everything I think, I think it's like the war on terrorism for causes like you could just have a you can have an al-qaeda boogeyman anytime you need to conjure him up only in this in this time it's video games and there's nobody really to hurt i mean there are people to hurt that get hurt there's companies that get hurt and there's you know gamers and reputations that get hurt but there's there's not like one particular company you're going after or anything like that. It's just a general vague category. I, I think it's disgusting, and I think what we end up having is instead of having a discussion around what really could be causing this and what we need to freaking get our shit together to fix, we talk about video games. But, but Chris, I mean, what about all the violent movies? What about all the severely violent R-rated flicks that we see with the realistic deaths and CG? As somebody who consumes way too much news media to make this show, I guarantee you that people who just sit there and watch that stuff are are probably in a worse mental state because it is it is chemically designed to alter the way you think i swear to god the mass media when you watch all of the networks back to back it is programming it is awful isn't it ironic ironic and it's sorry ironic in its own right that here is fox news elizabeth hasselbeck talking about how video games are being uh manipulative and influencing people right meanwhile they're doing it and meanwhile yeah, yeah they're doing the exact thing yeah 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 i know yeah that's why i hate them a little bit that's why i just hate them a little bit uh, we got more links, uh, more information in the show notes, um, including. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some Grand Theft Auto. Okay, all right, including um, a, a Telegraph article. Damn, nice hooker. Calls the darker side of Alexis's character, the side that saw him playing violent zombie video games in his room for hours. Wait, 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 wait. It was zombie games? Well, I've also heard it was World of Warcraft, and I've heard it's Grand Theft Auto. All right, well, if it was zombies, I mean, like what? D- plants versus zombies? <laughs> no, no, maybe uh, Dead Rising. You know, hey, you got to fight against the zombies. Chase, does the name Larry Summers ring a bell? Larry Summers. Wasn't he – he was a guy that was going to be nominated or something. Yes, good. Yes, very good. Does uh, the 2008 financial crisis ring a bell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry (laughs) Summers and the 2008 financial crisis tend tend to be closely linked. Anyways, he was going – he was in line. He was supposedly rumored to be Obama's number one choice to replace Bernanke, Ah. stepping down as the the chairman of the Fed. Well, um, we're going to get to uh, how that all kind of took an about face this week. But first – Speaking of Bernanke, he was out after having a two-day conference, and he announced, we will not be backing off on quantitative easing. Markets <sighs> exploded to record levels today after the Federal Reserve announced that the economy is not yet strong enough, and there is too much political uncertainty to stop their stimulus program, which means another six more weeks of free money, at least six more weeks. So because the Federal Reserve has determined that by all of their estimations, the, eco- the economy is not doing as well as they expected and unemployment is still bad, Wall Street's reaction is to literally throw a party. Allison Kozik is live at the New York Stock Exchange. Allison, why exactly is Wall Street celebrating? Well, the Fed's keeping the punch bowl out for investors, Jake, to partake in. They obviously bought in today with the Dow ending at a record high, uh, the S&P 500 ending at a fresh record high as well. But one trader I talked to said, wait a minute, it's not all roses and sunshine. You have to stop and think what's happening here. 
So uh, conditions in the job market, this is from Bernanke's, are still far from what all of us would like to see. Bernanke went on to say during a news conference, uh, the policy-setting Federal Open Market Committee voted to continue its bond-buying program at the same pace. The unemployment rate has dropped from 8.1% when the stimulus program began to 7.3% last month, Bernanke said. Of course, this is by their official numbers that are total bullshit and, of course, don't account for all the people who have dropped out of the labor force. Uh, The figure is close to 7%. When the figure... Uh, the figure is close to the 7% level Bernanke said the Fed wanted to see at the end of the bomb buying program. But he noted that we're still above acceptable levels, and since they're doing this on a data-based decision-making process, they won't be discontinuing the quantitative easing for now. Right. Nice. So we're going to keep just pumping money. And what's so funny is... More money! You see now this... The, the disconnect that is so wide that the news media has to comment on it now. When the economy is struggling so badly that the Federal Reserve has to continue to print money and buy these up this bond market, Wall Street's response is to throw a party. It is such a disconnect of what the Wall Street wants, wants and what is good for the American economy that yeah. it is yeah. laughable. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Now, the good news for all of us is that Larry Summers... He's going to be, he's not going for Bernanke's job. He actually withdrew himself. What can you tell us about uh, why he decided to withdraw his name? Well, Fred, um, Larry Summers was controversial. He's the former Treasury chief whose name was repeatedly mentioned as a potential next chairman of the Federal Reserve. And yes, he's notified the president that he is withdrawing his name. Summers was thought to be a favorite of President Obama. He served this president as economic advisor. Um, And Summers was also the president of Harvard. Several sources now telling CNN Summers has withdrawn his name. As you mentioned, Frederica, Three Democrats on the Senate Banking Committee recently said they would not support Summers, and he, of course, has become controversial. This is actually a really big point, is a group of senators got together and sent Barry a letter saying, listen, you, you, can't, you can't go with this guy. Now, CNN's explanation as to why you wouldn't want this guy? And he, of course, has become controversial, uh, among other things, because of his statements uh, about women. Yeah, that's now, it. That's the Wall Street Journal has uh, published... Uh, a st- this is what the media does, is they say his statements about women. So that way, the fact that he was involved with the, with the 2008 financial collapse is completely glassed over. Now, the Wall Street Journal has uh, published uh, a statement from Summers uh, in a letter, apparently, that he delivered to the president of the United States. In it, he says, I have reluctantly concluded that any possible confirmation process for me would be acrimonious and would not serve the interest of the Federal Reserve, the administration, or ultimately the interests of the nation's ongoing economic recovery. So the search continues for a new Fed chief. And apparently it is not going to be Larry Summers. Now, uh, some people think that it, it could be, um, uh, well, there's a whole bunch. We'll get, actually, we'll just spend another episode on that later. Uh, so, uh, dur- so Larry Summers, uh, during his time as the Treasury Secretary in the Clinton administration, earned a reputation as a deregulator. Summers urged Congress to repeal parts of the Depression-era rule called the Glass-Siegel Act, which we got an email about, didn't we, Chase? Yeah, so this came from via Anonymous uh, from BitMessage, and he said, Hey, guys, love the show. You guys have single-handedly made me an active member in politics due to the content on your show. It's spot-on and no BS with some fun and speculation. Well, thank you. 
With that in mind, I supported the LaRoche PAC recently after listening to what the guy said about at my school. That's a uh, that's a pack for uh, you know pushing through their their supposedly good agenda. Right. And reading a few flyers. Since I'm still new to this massive stream of new information, I was wondering if you guys could touch on Glass Steagall or other possible fixes for the current economic system. Plus, if you like if you both like the idea of the pack, then maybe support it. But it's not that it's not my objective for this message. I bought <laughs> into these guys and they sounded great, but I'm still wary and skeptical. This entire field makes me feel like I've never seen a computer before and went out shopping for one. Uh, if you were to support an interest group in politics and economic infrastructure, what would it contain and why? What kind of ph- philosophies would you guys be looking at? And are there some groups to steer clear of? This pack openly supports the idea of impeaching Obama, which I agree <laughs> with, but kind of don't want to put down my support on paper. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pussy, but I don't want to be like a Jew in World War II when the shit hits the fan. Oh, man. Wow. Jeez. Thanks again for the show and keep up the great work. Um, so I'll leave the second half of his email open to the audience for their suggestions. But the part That's that I wanted to hone him. in is he asked a little bit about a glass Stiegel. Uh, so, uh, this glass Stiegel act is, uh, also the banking act known as glass Stiegel was sponsored by Senator Carter, uh, a Democrat from uh, VA and representative, uh, Henry Stiegel, where the Stiegel part comes. And it came out of the depression era and it, it, it does a lot of things, but the two things that it really did that you probably will click with number one. It established the FDIC. Remember what the FDIC is, where you get your insurance, you get your your deposit is insured, right? Right. It also did something else that was pretty key, is it created a wall between commercial banks and investing banks, i.e. a bank couldn't take Chase's money and then use that for crazy-ass investments. They said you can't be an investment bank and a standard bank. You got to, at your creation, you need to pick one, which one you're going to be, and you need to be that. Well, Larry Summers, along with a bunch of other guys, it wasn't just Summers, but Larry Summers was one of the people involved in a dismantling part of Glass-Steagall. Now, some people think that was great because it led to the derivatives market exploding and uh, it allowed for uh, – and it continues to allow for um, insane profits to be made by the banks. In fact, um, uh, Larry Summers, after the Clinton administration, uh, still managed to go work for Citigroup and then uh, help them raise big profits and then was brought back into the Obama administrations as an economic czar or something like that and now became a special economics advisor to President Obama while he was continuing to receive about $500,000 for Citigroup, which he t- temporarily suspended while he was in the running for the Fed Reserve chairman. But then now that that's over, he's going to go back and work for them. Uh, so – one of the other things that Summers is known for, and this is why I classify him as one of the great parasites, a lot of the people who are involved in the 2008 financial collapse are parasites on on our, on our the world economy. And uh, Summers was involved, and you guys can Google on this if you want, in a confidential memo that was leaked uh, called The Endgame of All Ominous Things. The memo confirms every conspiracy freak's fantasy in that in the late 1990s, the top U.S. Treasury officials secretly conspired with a small cabal of bankers and big shots to rip apart financial regulation across the planet. One of the things that Summers did is because the things they were doing were straight up illegal right. is and, and they couldn't use standard communications channels is uh, with some of the big bank CEOs and, and CTOs and whatnot, he gave them cell phones. So that way he had private cell phones so he could call them directly to their own private phone and whenever the phone rang they knew it was larry so that way they could scheme on stuff 
Um, so when you see 23.6, or I'm sorry, 26.3% unemployment in Spain, depression and hunger in Greece, riots in Indonesia and Detroit, and of course Detroit going to bankruptcy, all of this can be traced back to the Endgame Memo, which uh, was set to deregulate banking the sectors across the world and sell oh. junk and toxic banks uh, shit to these <laughs> banks around the world, and then of course cause them to collapse. Right. Um, so Summers was a real piece of crap, and oh, he was he was Obama's head pick because Obama loves everybody pro-establishment, and Ob- and and Obama it, 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 the the very funding of Obama to become a senator tracks back to the people who mentored uh, Summers and tracks back to Summers. The very people that financed Obama to get him elected can be traced back to the big banks and Larry Summers, and he's a piece of crap. And I'm glad that he's not going to be running the Fed. I have one word for you. What do you got? Sequester. Sequester. Yeah, boy, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Speaking of uh, that, actually, that's uh, very to- very poignant. Uh, did you know that uh, we actually hit the debt limit like a, like yeah, a while ago? A, a debt ceiling. Yeah, and we have been doing what is called extraordinary measures. Congress prepares itself for a big debate on raising the debt ceiling. There's one thing to keep in mind. The U.S. already hit the borrowing limit on May 19th of this year. The U.S. Treasury is legally only allowed to rack up $16.7 trillion in debt, but it has finagled a way to legally spend an additional $260 billion using what's called extraordinary measures. In a letter to Speaker Boehner, Treasury Secretary Jack Lew explains what extraordinary measures he's utilizing. Get ready for this. The Government Securities Investment Fund, or the G-Fund, is a retirement account for federal employees. It contains about 40% of all thrift saving plans balances. There are 4.6 million civil employees and uniformed service members who have TSP retirement accounts. And Congress has granted the Treasury the statutory authority to suspend reinvestment of all or part of the balance of the G-Fund. In other words, the Treasury is borrowing from the retirement accounts of service men and women. However, in that same letter, it also states that after the debt limit impasse has ended, the G-Fund is made whole. Congress has the sole authority to raise the debt ceiling, and they've done so 78 times since 1960. But since 2011, the issue has become much more politically difficult. Congress is not obligated to raise the debt ceiling, and if they don't, would these funds be paid back? This is just one example of extraordinary measures the Treasury is using to continue to fund the government after hitting the debt limit. Other funds that are part of these extraordinary measures include the Civil Service Retirement and Disabilities Fund and the Postal Service Retirees Health Benefit Fund. Of course. And the reason why this is relevant for you is it turns out that whole government shutdown show. It's like it's like the beginning of the year where we had We're back again with another show. Sequester. It's like they're replaying that. And uh, so we are 12 days out Ugh. from the fiscal end of the year. The debt ceiling debate is heating up as we approach the October 1st default danger zone. Politicians, think tanks, and special interest groups are using a host of tactics to gain public support. President Obama, however, says this is not up for discussion. No. Uh, I will not negotiate over whether or not America keeps its word and meets its obligations. Nope. I will not negotiate over the full faith and credit of the United States. Nope. And House Democrats are backing him. So far, Representative Peter Welch has collected 50 signatures on a letter going to Obama that says we appreciate your strong leadership on this issue. 
So the Democrats are saying, good, good on you for standing up to the Republicans. So how could the Republicans chase really ratchet up? What is, what is something that is currently a thorn in their side like we've never seen? Like they are, what is one of Obama's key things that they were really upset about? This is a trick question. And share your view that defaulting on our obligations would cause immediate and irreparable harm to America's economy. So that's the Democrat side. So the Republicans are going to be like, well, okay, all right, you want a deal? Then put Obamacare on the table. But some House Republicans are challenging this claim. In a press conference this morning, Majority Leader Eric Cantor gave details about the spending bill he and his allies are drafting. He said it will lift the debt ceiling and provide one year of government funding. But it will defund Obamacare. It will also include a grab bag of Republican goodies, including tax reform, support for the Keystone XL pipeline, and other budget reform provisions. Wow. But Democrats... I love slipping the pipeline in there, right? That's that's. We're going to stick the pipeline in there. We're going to kill Obamacare. We're going to get the pipeline. We're going to get everything. You have some Republicans in the House of Representatives who are promising to shut down the government at the end of this month if they can't shut down the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act has been the law for three and a half years now. It passed both houses of Congress. The Supreme Court ruled it constitutional. It was an issue in last year's election, and the candidate who called for repeal lost. That would be Romney. Which I think is like, I love the logic. Well, so so we also voted for you, Obama, so then by that definition, we support your drone policies? Like, can he just like take that and spin that any way he wants, (laughs) or is it for only certain issues? So I think so. Here we are. You got the Republican now. There, how how do you ever for chase? Do you yeah. do you do you foresee any outcome where if the Republicans stayed up, stayed strong on this issue, and they're actually they actually did get some sort of government shutdown, that only plays out badly for the for the right. Yeah, well, as far as I can see, right? There's just no way that plays out good for them. Yeah, well, unless the borrowing this extreme, uh, what was it, extreme circumstances that we just heard. Unless that hits the mainstay forefront and people start talking about that, oh, like you're borrowing against service members yeah. for the sequester. You know what? You know what I would love to see. Then maybe I would love to see the representative that's out there and says, "Well, we spend fifty six billion a year on spying. Let's cut that. That's where you cut from. Yeah. How about you defund that? Yeah. And if you don't defund that, then you shut down the federal government because that's a shutdown I can get behind. Yep. In the meantime, I got dental work that needs to get done. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, anyways, uh, does Elizabeth Warren ring a bell? Oh yeah, yeah. She's been she's been fighting against the banks for a while, and I've always been like, of course, she has a horrible uh, cannabis stance, and sometimes I wonder if she's a two speaking politician or if she's actually legitimate. I, I want to play this clip for you, Chase. Okay. You, you tell me, is this her all fired up, or is this her grandstanding like at a whole new level? All right, I'm Our agenda is America's agenda. The American people know that the system is rigged against them, and they want us to level the playing field. Okay. First of all, I love hearing a senator say that, right? So, grandstanding. So, so I'm thinking— Sorry, grandstanding. That's our mandate. Hold on. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> Come on. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, I've already fought and lost my share of battles in Washington, and I've been around long enough to know Washington is a tough place. Yeah. Real reform isn't easy. But I also know this. If we don't fight, we can't win. But if we fight, we will win. Yeah. The budget, immigration, minimum wage, 
uphill battles, you bet. But however tough the challenge, however steep our climb, I am proud to stand with you, to march with you, to fight side by side with you. Our agenda is America's agenda. Let me hear it. Our agenda is America's agenda. And if we fight for it, we win. We win. We'll do this. Thank you. Thank you all. Oh, say can you see. She's got to be running in 2016, right? I mean, oh. that sounds like fighting Hillary words to me. That's what that sounds like. I was getting nauseous. She's gonna go. She's gonna play the. She's gonna play the role of the person who gives a good, solid fight to Hillary on the Democratic side before the primaries, so that way we get some good ratings. I think that's the role she's gonna play. I don't it's, feel very good. It'll be good. I know. It kind of left I need, you. I need some more water. You know what? This will make you feel a little better. So as we were going off the air mm-hmm. last week, and this made it into the supporter show newsletter, but it didn't make it into the show. Somebody who we'd talked about, in fact, somebody we kind of made the premise of the episode around, put an op-ed in the New York Times, and it made waves. It's the op-ed column in America's most famous newspaper that Americans are still talking and some gagging about. I almost wanted to vomit. Vladimir Putin's opinion piece in the New York Times was seen as a slap at the U.S., saying, among other things, that Americans shouldn't view themselves as exceptional. But what many may not know is that it was an American PR firm that was instrumental in getting Putin's column into the time. So before they get into the PR firm thing, which is great that they're looking into this aspect of it. I wish they would look into this aspect of it all the time. But, of course, they only do it when it fulfills their interest. So one of the things that got a lot more blowback than I expected in his op-ed is that he said Americans shouldn't have think of themselves as exceptional. In fact, Putin said that it's dangerous for Americans to think of themselves as exceptional. Chase, I ask you. Yes. Are Americans exceptional? Of course. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, dude, like, the, that was the biggest thing people reacted to. How dare you say we're not exceptional? How, we are exceptional. How dare you say? <gasps> he said we weren't exceptional? That makes me Chris, sick. Chris, are your kids exceptional? Yeah. You're biased. So here's here's what I would say. <laughs> Is is America exceptional? Yes, it is exceptionally powerful. It is exceptionally influent, influential. It is it is it is exceptional in a lot of ways. It makes some great games. But I also think that in a, you know when it comes down to human rights, all men are created equal, and I, that's really what he was saying. Ketchum, a company with offices in seventy countries. What this is is an organization that hires a lot of uh, you know people who work in advertising. So they're talking about the PR firm, and so what Putin so. Uh, it turns out Putin – this isn't the first op-ed Putin's ever written that's ran in a U.S. paper. It just happens to be the first one in the New York Times. Um, but if you do a little Google searching, you'll find that he's actually written several this year alone. Uh, turns out he writes pretty often. So what he does is he distributes through a PR firm because that's how you get in the New York Times, kids. Some come from the news media. Some come from government. There's a couple of speech writers for former senators uh, that work for this firm. Bill Allison from the Sunlight Foundation, which pushes for disclosure, believes people from Ketchum might have written or at least helped craft Putin's piece. Ketchum's representatives, some of whom work out of this office in Washington, deny that, saying Putin wrote the piece. They didn't make anyone available on camera, but told us they submitted the column to the New York Times on Putin's behalf. They say whenever they correspond with experts or the media on Russia's behalf, they always disclose that. Allison says Ketchum is relentless in pitching the Russian agenda, 
pushing interviews to American TV networks, putting out talking points. And we can even thank Ketchum for this image, right? Right. They pushed this uh, publication called... This is the one of Putin after uh, he went tiger hunting. We looked at last week after <laughs> yeah. the show. Outdoor life. And of course, it kind of fits with Putin, the image he tries to cultivate in Russia, of being a hunter and a fisher and an outdoorsman. So what they're really doing is they're getting on the president of Russia for using a PR firm, even though we employ hundreds of PR firms for the for Obama, right? So yeah. it's it's kind of weird to be calling him up because this is this is how the game is played. All of it brings in big money for Ketchum. According to filings with the Justice Department, the Kremlin paid Ketchum $1.9 million for services during the six months ending May 31st. Other American PR firms have also raked in a lot of money from leaders like Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi. So now we're, now we're, putting, now we're putting Putin next to... Uh, you know, okay, next yeah. to Gaddafi and next yeah. to, uh, okay, all right, yeah, next right, to Saddam. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. As for Putin's New York Times column, was the news consumer fooled by any of this? Shouldn't be. Uh, he may be angered. He may be incensed. Yeah. But we know who Vladimir Putin is. There is no sort of opaqueness about that. He's the president of Russia. He's often in an adversarial position. All the public had to do was read the byline in this case to know where the views were coming from. CNN has also worked with Ketchum on interviews with Russian officials and presidential trips. And we have to say, all of Ketchum's activities in the U.S. are completely legal. And we run the stories. CNN, Washington. I mean, that's the, that's the right. reality is they yeah. also do the same thing. Yep. And uh, so, you know, I think it's funny because you, it gives you, at least it gave me perspective on how of, how much of a shithole America is in when Putin can look like the good guy. When, when the president of Russia looks like he's got his shit more together and he's got the moral high ground compared to Obama. That, my friends, is not a reflection on how great Putin is. Because he's one of the bad guys. It is a reflection on how bad Obama is. Think about it. Can I get the crowd jazzed up around you there and, you know, <laughs> oh, say, can I mean, right, though? It's true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's awful the way it is, but that's, I mean, we are such, there's so many things. I mean, you can make a laundry list a mile long of, of problems that we have, and... It just takes a bad guy to really show us what's going on. I mean, here. it's ridiculous, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, though, however, progress moves forward on uh, coming together on some sort of agreement around serious chemical weapons. And now it's interesting. It, you know, originally it was it was the U.S. versus the Assad regime and their chemical weapons, but now that veil has sort of been removed, and now it's the U.S. and Russia working together Look to at come to agreements. All lined up together. That's right. Well, after three days of talks, Secretary of State John Kerry and Sergey Lavrov have come to a deal. They just outlined it moments ago, as you said, in Geneva. The first hurdle that they had to clear was agreeing on the size of Syria's chemical weapons stockpile. Now they're saying that within one week, Syria has to hand over a full inventory of its chemical arsenal. By November, chemical weapons inspectors must be allowed into the country. So we got we got a, a week and change for inventory. Okay. Then we've got November for inspectors on the ground. Okay. Syria has to agree that all of its chemical weapons will be destroyed. They have to be transferred over to international control by the middle of next year. Secretary Kerry said that if a... Middle of next year. Oh. Well, fails to comply, it will go back to the United Nations Security Council, and that could mean a military reaction. I think this is maybe the biggest point of all of it, and I'm going to play it again. 
Council, and that could mean a middle of next year. Secretary Kerry said that if Assad fails to comply, it will go back to the United Nations Security Council, and that could mean a military reaction if Russia were allowed, uh, if Russia were to allow it through the Security Council. So it sounds like from what that guy is reporting, that the way this agreement is structured, that if Assad or Assad fails to deliver on his end of the bargain in middle of next year, yeah. our immediate response will then to be go back will be to go back to the UN Security Council. The very Security Council that for the past two years has voted against any kind of action. <laughs> so like it's interesting because it sounds like we have completely neutered any leverage we have. However, now this is coming from the Washington Post. According to a State Department official account of negotiations, which began on Thursday evening of last week and then ended Saturday afternoon with a framework accord to secure and eliminate serious chemical weapon, it was almost a deal that did not happen. But I here are th- the interesting bit of this deal. It to me almost sounds like it was in Russia's best interest to insert themselves to establish that they are a player in the Middle East, to establish they are a world power, to establish Putin as you know a big contender. But at the end of the day the deal was written entirely by the u.s side now this is according to a state department official the russians agreed to it in an impromptu poolside conversation between Kerry and lavrov and their deputies who then dragged chairs over to the pool to join them Kerry made final edits on the on his ipad in his hotel room and then the russians agreed to it wow <laughs> so it's almost like the russians like once they got to this position they just rolled over and let anything happen. But if that's true, then why is it so neutered that we have to go back to the Security Council? It seems like if we was, if it was going to be the way we wanted to roll, I mean, we got boats that are parked off the shore over there. It should have been like, all right, well, if he does anything that makes us think he's not moving, we strike. But that's not what we got. What we got was we go back to the Security Council, who's voted no for the last two years. It's very perplexing. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder what's really happening here. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think a lot of this is grandstanding, too. I mean, it does seem like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, now we look back at this. Uh, Israel says that, uh, oh, hey, by the way, and this is gonna, there's going to report that comes out on Friday. So, folks, if you're listening to this on the day that it came out or afterwards, watch this on Friday. Uh, we were, there was an interview with uh, Israel's ambassador who said, ah, turns out we've got we, we want we want we want yeah regime change we yeah. want to sort out <laughs> we've been about that the whole time i mean we've been playing like we weren't about that but that's what we've been about and we want him out we want him out yep. so that is still a factor that's in the region and that's still in play and then you have this also come out since we've done our last episode the un uh web uh, inspectors chemical inspectors came in got the report and they've released the report and yes, it shows the chemical weapons were used. It doesn't say who used them. Oh. It says the chemical weapons are used. But however so, Russia still says that report is biased and they've got new evidence. BBC. Hello, everyone. Politicized, biased, one-sided. That's how Russia has described the UN inspector's report into the use of chemical weapons in Syria. Moscow claims it has new evidence that rebels, not government forces, were responsible. Russia's deputy foreign minister said the evidence came from the Syrian government. It will be passed on to Russian experts. Well, in response to this, the UN's chief weapons inspector, Aki Selstrom, has told the BBC that any response to what Moscow is saying must be a decision for the UN secretary general, as this is what he called a political matter. He added that a full report will be coming, which will deal with all issues from all sides. But he said there are other allegations by the Syrian government about the use of chemical weapons which have to be looked into. So, um, according to the Syrian government, they've got proof it was the rebels. 
And so they've given that over to the Russians. The Russians are now given to the UN. I don't know how much that's going to trickle down to us, us, us standard old folk. But at the end of the day, this whole situation in Syria has not been nearly as cocked up as I thought it was going to be. Well, I, I, I'm really surprised it made this turn. I, I mean, two weeks ago, we thought, oh, it's, it's we're going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going in. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, I'm pleasantly surprised, and I think we're happy about that. So we got an email that helps kind of, uh, you know, we talk a lot about cybersecurity and cyber attack. And this is something that I've realized, but then have kind of lost perspective on. So I was really appreciative of this email. Yeah, this uh, came in via BitMessage, and this uh, is the following. Guys, the official announcement will come out later this year. Fort Gordon, which employs nearly 30,000 government employees and is the current home of the U.S. Army Signal Corps, will become the home of the U.S. Army Cyber Center. Like you, like you, I believe that cyber is the word used in movies that got it wrong, but let me explain why the Army is using this term. The military fights in domains, not the network type. Uh, historically, these domains are land, sea, and air, and have physically existed throughout all wars on this planet. Cyber, the net, and everything attached to it is considered an entirely new domain. Your shows do a good job cataloging some of the battles that have and are taking place within that domain. So, hold on right there. Yeah. So, the military thinks of the internet and cyber in the same way that they think of boots on the ground and ships in the water and planes in the air as yeah. different domains, and even space, right? That These are different domains that yeah. they have different types of tactical solutions for. And so now cyber is a, one of these additional domains. So therefore, you must build out the military as much for that domain as you would the Navy or the U.S. Air Force or the Army, right? Right, yep, yep. Uh, he goes on to give us a link to a local news article, and he does say the following. He says, for the part of you that does unfilter let me add this. Currently, the Army is governed by a strict set of laws that does not allow it to engage state actors offensively in this domain without authorization from Congress, you know, the, the war powers, etc. There are many discussions currently on how to define the scope and activities those who will, will work in this new domain. Those conversations are new territory as well. We've known about air, land, and sea for a while, but defining cyber is like defining the cloud. Mm. A layer of military bureaucracy on top of that, and it gets to be even more interesting conversation. It, it seems undoable. Uh, you're welcome to share this message if it helps in your shows. I prefer to stay anonymous, and you will. Yes, you will. Uh, yeah, it seems like – so I think one of the things, at least in, this is maybe just my hippie vision, but in, in my hippie vision, rose-colored glasses, the internet sort of brings – it shakes a few things up. Uh, I, I look at the daily on the iPad. Com Rupert Murdoch's experiment completely collapsed because he applied a traditional model of staffing to something that just doesn't make as much money on the internet. If, if – you know, I'm poor. I live – I live on nothing every single month because that what I, my living is doing these shows. And the reason I'm able to even get by is because it's a, essentially a one-man operation that my wife helps out on, right? right? It is the new economy. It is the devastated economy economy, and it is the internet economy where you have to reduce costs, you have to streamline, and you have to be efficient. And that, and that my friend, is totally antithesis to everything yep. the military bureaucracy is about. You're right. Absolutely. Screwed, I say. 
<laughs> and what sucks is what, the reason why that's going to be eventually their downfall is, and this is just totally pulling this out of my ass, but it would seem to me nations that are not as built out military industrial complex wise like Iran, uh, they will they will be already by their very nature more streamlined and more efficient and thus better to act in the cyber domain. Right. And it, I would think. Yep. Just like I have worked in, in, in large projects where there, we've had a team of 30 and 40 developers that were not able to accomplish what a team of two or three developers could get done because they were able to be more efficient. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, Chase. But uh, We'll I'm, see, Yeah, as they say. You know, uh, speaking of things that are wonderful and beautiful and uh, help people even stay more informed than just what we can do in one weekly podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. That would be? The unfiltered subreddit. There you go. <laughs> Over at like unfiltered.reddit.com. Now, now, Chase. Yes, sir. Last week, yeah. you said, and yeah. I'm just looking at the Red Book. By yeah. the way, picture of the Red Book in last week's Linux Action Show cover art. Nice. Red, the Red Book makes an appearance. Ah. Last week, uh, you said uh, 787, yeah. sticking with the Boeing theme. I said, I believe my comment right here, absolutely impossible. <laughs> Guess what, Chris? What? what? <laughs> we both threw it. What? 799 as of the Jesus. recording. We are one away. So what do you want to make a prediction for? Well, you know what? Uh, 799. That's I, I know 8 is a great popular number in, in the I believe, the Chinese culture, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they like 8. The Year of the Dragon. The Year of the Dragon. So we're going to go 808, which will be my next prediction. Very nice. Uh, all we need is just nine more people to join the Unfiltered subreddit, where you can upvote stories, downvote stories. If you have something that's really cool and meaty, I actually put a story in here where I saw the... Uh, I liked that, a, yeah. A, a junior hockey team I is... I wor- Yeah, w- which is working with the NSA on facial recognition. Now, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Chase, if people wanted to find us online, like maybe take myself, yeah. I would recommend they go over to twitter.com slash chris Now, do you have thoughts that you tweet out? 140 characters worth of thoughts, Chase. That is interesting. What about you? People find you online? Uh, people can find me online. Uh, just go to chasenunas.com, oh. which is currently unavailable. Down But it'll everybody. be up after the show, I'm sure. <laughs> what about like shows and stuff? Yeah, uh, they can also head over to geekgamer.tv which is also down right now I know what you're doing after the show <laughs> see this is why the supporter show is going to be great speaking of which if you're an unfiltered supporter don't for, don't forget to check your inbox we've got a great supporter show for you you can also join us live on Wednesdays over at 6.30pm over at jblive.tv that's right and you know what you guys stay tuned because we're going to have a great show right yeah. here next, next week, week.